our podcast this week. Never mind the buzzcocks. It's Simon Amstel as the writer-director pops by to talk about his film, Benjamin. Mm, he couldn't have been called Kevin. There's something very <laughs> soft and lovable, I think, about Benjamin. All that and the usual movie news and nonsense on the movie podcast that's about to get us bucket and spade. You know why? Because we're going on tour. How exciting. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which this week is brought to you by the National Lottery Cinema Day. And you'll hear more information on that later in this show. Right now, I'm joined by not one, not three, not four, not 17, not 41. Please, Quaker. Oh, maybe you should try and do prime numbers. Maybe you should. How many do you know? One. Cool. Three. Two. Two is also a prime number? Two is also a prime two number. Two is so lucky. It's the only One, even prime two, number. two, three, five. This is going so well for you. Five is a prime number. Yeah. A prime number is a number that is divisible only by itself and one. Wow. Seven. Uh-huh. Eleven. This must be thrilling, <laughs> thrilling listening for any mathematicians out there. Thirteen. <laughs> 14 no 14 divisible by 7 divisible by 2 right. and 2 17 thrilling radio here no. ladies and gentlemen 19 19 no 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 19 23 and that's enough okay <laughs> next week pi <laughs> Anyway, hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. You've already heard our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. Fresh from, I presume, just another supernatural box set binge. I have, How was it? Uh, I mean, it was great, obviously, but that's not even what I was. What I've been doing. Like a guess. <laughs> you know, I just carry season eight weirdly on my on my um, iPad at all times, just in case of emergency. Really? Mm. You set the season with the most nipples. I mean, I think season one or two would presumably be the most nipples, but even then you're talking like four nipples. <laughs> Not if you watch it through a mirror. What, I don't, Double the nipples. What that, don't, I don't think that means... That'd be eight nipples, which as we all know is it's a prime a recommendation. number. <laughs> if you're counting any season, though, it should be season five, which is the best season of Supernatural. I agree totally. I'm a woman. Um, and welcome to the podcast. This is your first regular podcast. It is, yes. You've, uh, you've, you've made dalliances, brief cameos on some podcasts that haven't even seen the light of day yet. But <laughs> this is very true. trust me, it's on a very long list and I will get around to them. But, uh, but Amon has, uh, has, has joined us today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How many prime numbers do you know? The same amount of prime numbers you know. <laughs> 25. That is also a prime. No, it's not. It's divisible, no, it's not. It's divisible by, by five. 27. No. No. I was just going by by two. Yeah, 29? 29 has got to be a prime number. It's, it's Do you know this or are you just no, I know nodding when I say things? <laughs> like, I can tell prime That's numbers. That's exactly what I'm doing. 3 million and <laughs> 17. I'd have to check. Amon is nodding. Look, it feels priming. <laughs> he has verified it and therefore it is indeed a prime number. Right. How are you all? Good, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. While I look for this week's question, should we talk about this tour thing? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. It's exciting. Okay, so it's exciting. So we are doing a little mini tour in September and October. Tickets are on sale right now. They're going on sale literally as we speak, as we record this podcast, which is all very, very exciting. Uh, we are going to be doing six shows it's amazing. across the UK. Very exciting We're indeed. basically the Rolling Stones, apart from... All of it. <laughs> yes, we basically are. I Bagsy Mick. That seems 
unfair to me. I'm, I've always thought of myself as a Keith Richards. I don't know, Ronnie Wood, I would have said. <laughs> I don't know. I think in many ways you might be the Charlie Watts of the group. Is that good? I don't know. In that you are, you're there, you're dependable, you know oh, prime gosh. numbers. Charlie Watts knows prime numbers. Nobody wants to be Bill Wyman. You know what I mean? So, Charlie Watts, and you keep the tempo. I do keep the tempo. of the. You, yeah. for example, are not the sort of person who would say, hey guys, let's meet tomorrow at 10 a.m. for and a then, podcast and, and then, then not turn up. 12 minutes late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I can do that because I'm Mick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, that, that is uncanny. And it brings us back to Hobbs and Shaw the other week. It does, so, it? you know, it really it works on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Amon, who would you be in this in this Rolling Stones analogy? I was also going to go for Mick, but you've stolen that. Uh, so, you say nobody wants to be Bill Wyman. I want to know why that's the case. Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> How long do you have? What can we say legally? Anyway. <laughs> Just take it from me. Don't be Bill Wyman. Anyway, technically, he is no longer a Rolling Stone. He has retired from the music business. So you can't have Bill Wyman. Who would you be? You got you basically. You've got Keith Richards. So it means you're immortal. Because I'm pretty sure one. I'm pretty sure Keith Richards is legally dead. Either he's been. We see. That's why I quite like the idea of being Keith Richards. I would live forever. There was a great joke on Twitter recently about you know how we've got to look after the environment because we have to protect it uh-huh. for Keith, Keith Richards, Richards. <laughs> and Betty White, uh, both of whom will be around forever. That wow. sounds very Helen O'Hara. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you okay? Helen will get to be Keith Richards because <laughs> Keith Richards is also the the genius who provides a lot of the Rolling Stones' greatest licks, yeah, and and riffs. Famously hard living, and as you know, I'm like a huge, huge druggy you drinker. Have, you have a bottle. At I the have moment. a bottle have a right bottle, here next to me. I presume is a heroin I mean, cocaine Seven Up mixer. It's it's full of of neat whiskey with a <laughs> cocaine chaser. Like that's how I roll. I here. knew it. Excuse me, one second, guys. Just gonna do a quick line. <laughs> That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. That's hit the spot. Oh, so, Miami, okay. Emma, quick, tell me, who would you be? Rolling Stones, come on, come on, man. Uh, who would you be? Who would you be? You got, you, got? Basically, you've got Ronnie Wood left. But that's good because okay. it means you get to hang out with Jimmy White. Jimmy White, as in James White, as in our West Coast guy. As in Jaime Blanco. Jaime Blanco. Uh, n- no, no. As in Jimmy the Whirlwind White. Okay. And, uh, that's yeah, a cool nickname. It's a cool nickname. See, mm. Snooker has got great nicknames. Does, yeah. Alex Hurricane Higgins, Rocket Ronnie O'Sullivan, <laughs> Peter the Accountant Ebden. They're all... <laughs> They're all there. So you can have you can have Ronnie Wood, who is kind of like, you know, again, he's a bit like Keith Richards in that I'm pretty sure he's legally dead, but there he is still knocking around. <laughs> Perhaps weak in a Bernie style and a complicated system of pulleys and levers. Oh, my God. You never know. <laughs> this is all Ronnie worked out brilliantly. Hey, what was the question? <laughs> we were talking about the tour, weren't we? So we're going on this yes. little tour. And so we're starting off in London. This is what inspired the whole thing. We're starting off in London, September 14th at the London Podcast Festival in King's Place, London, which is very exciting. And September 19th, we're going to be doing... The Edinburgh International Magazine Festival there. They've invited us up there. We're doing a live show up there and we're going to be at the Cameo in Edinburgh on the 19th. Love it. It's very exciting uh, because people have been saying to us for a long, long time, hey, come uh, come to do more than London, you London-centric bastards. (laughs) That's true. And finally, we have listened... And this is a little toe in the water tour because, you know, I went on Twitter a few few months ago and said, hey, we did a tour where people come and if we couldn't guarantee guests, which at the moment we can't for some of these regional shows... 
would you still come? And the answer was overwhelmingly yes. So now, if you want us to do a longer tour, this is emotional blackmail, but hey, we'll give it a go. <laughs> if you want us to do a longer tour, then come see us on this one. And then hopefully we can do a big proper one next year with all sorts of bells and whistles and stuff. Uh, perhaps the Rolling Stones could open for us. Who knows? But anyway, <laughs> uh, so we're going to be doing Edinburgh then a week after that on the 26th of September. We're going to be doing York, my old stomping ground, York. Yay. Very excited about that. We're going to be doing City Screen at York. We've partnered with Picture House and a couple of these. Very, very excited about that indeed. October 3rd, what we're going to be in Liverpool. Why are we going to Liverpool, Chris? <laughs> the fact that it's two days before the home game against Leicester City is genuinely purely coincidental. I don't think I'll be able to stay over and until until Saturday. Oh so we're going to have to go up and then come back again and go back again. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh-huh. So we're doing Liverpool <laughs> Fact at Liverpool on the 3rd of October. October 10th, we're doing Brighton. Ooh. Which is not that far away from London, yes, obviously, yeah, but people close. did ask, can we come to Brighton? And, you know, it's, it's going to be lovely. We can yeah, have some fish and chips. chips. Yeah, go on the pier. Be go on, yeah, if you've done that Brighton's big thing cool. in Brighton, they're sort of, they're not, not their version of the London Eye, but you get in this, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's a, again, it's a BA-sponsored mm. thing, and it's a big tourist attraction, and you get in. It's like a tower thing. It's like a tower thing, and it shoots up in the air, but very, very slowly. So um, shooting is maybe not the word. You've got to go to Brighton. we got to go to Brighton and shoot up. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Winners don't do drugs. <laughs> William F. Sessions said that, and I stand by his words. I genuinely do. Anyway, so up, up we go, and then we'll come down from that, and we'll do a tour. Yeah. We'll get high in Brighton. We'll shoot up um, in Brighton. Not, we'll get no, high. Those are not the words. <laughs> anyway, no. And then we'll do that. And then Last we'll come time down I was in show. Brighton, I did the marathon. Well, this is like a marathon, but it's very it's much like a marathon. Mm. And we'll do that on the 10th of October. This is a Thursday again, and that's at the Duke at Comedia in Brighton. So cool, that's cool. exciting. And then we're rounding it off. People are going, hey, guys, it's all very mainland UK. No, what no. are you doing? GB. GB. Yeah, it's all yeah. a bit GB. It's not UK. Sorry, Wales. Sorry, middle of England. <laughs> but uh, on the 17th of October, we are going to... Belfast! Belfast! Oh. It's a sort of homecoming. We're going to be doing uh, Belfast. We're going to be at the Cinemagic Festival, which is a wonderful festival dedicated to movies for, for children and young people. And, like uh, us. Like us, <laughs> people who are still young, people who don't know a prime number. Speak for yourself. <laughs> and uh, very, very excited to be coming home, uh, Helen and I, and we'll be dragging some English people with us. And, but obviously uh, we expect all of you to come out. Do come out. Do. From from far and wide, from Belfast to Bangor, from Bambridge to Ballyronan. Bogey. Is that a place? You had a chance to say Ballybogey and you didn't take it. What's Ballybogey? It's a wee town. Oh, that's nice. It's near Coleraine. That's good. Uh, to Ballin and Mallard, there's a place, that's a real place. Uh, come out, come out. And even if your your place doesn't begin with the B, then do come out and see us. So uh, check the Empire website for ticket information. Check uh, our Twitter feeds as well. We'll be doing, uh, you know, we'll be updating you with where to get tickets for that, uh, for those shows as well. So do come and see us. We're taking a large step into the unknown with this. So do come and hold our hands. Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you must keep 10 feet from Chris at all times. No eye contact, please. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, to the question. There was a question? To the question mobile. The question. Okay, so here we go. Listener question is from email. And it's from Jake Rep. And he says, hello, Chris. Oh, that's nice. And friends. Hello. August is here, which means people like me who are younger than Ben, yes, we do exist, are preparing to leave for university slash college. I wanted to know which movie star or character you podcasters would want as a dorm roommate. For me, it'd have to be Chris Pratt. He's such a nice and hilarious person and would get me into loads of parties. Peter Parker would also be great. 
because I'd inevitably become an FOS. He would, <laughs> yes. A foe of Spider-Man. Friend of Spider-Man. Friend, Friend of, of Spider-Man. <laughs> best from the US, Jake Repucci. I mean... You know, Chris Pratt isn't even the best Chris. Can we just be clear on this? You know, thank you, Helen. I also feel like you know that that line that Star Lord says in the first film suggests that he's not the roommate you want to have in terms of cleanliness. Well, the, uh, the blacklight line. The blacklight line. Yeah, but pretty yeah. much any line he has in Guardians. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. disqualify him. I don't, when does this happen to Chris Pratt that he's become the worst Chris uh, in in many people's uh, estimation? I mean, it's well, kind well, of well, it's happened because it's, he's it's a, partly because the other Chris's are just better. But, but I just want to know what, what happened because he's. I think it's genuinely the hunting. Is it the hunting? I think it's the hunting. Is it also do people have a problem with his religion? Do they have a problem with his the faith church is a little a bit? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, his, his church has said some not, and obviously he's yeah. not responsible for everything his church says, but his church has said some yep. not massively welcoming things about LGBT yep. people. So that's true. Yeah. But yeah, Evans and yeah, maybe Hemsworth, a, Pine. Yeah, they're kind of hard to beat. Yeah. But he's a very funny guy, though. But we're talking about roommates here. We are talking about roommates. So, I think he'd be a bit slovenly. Yeah. To be honest, because I think Andy Dwyer was based in large parts. I think I think mm. he's even said this, that despite his, his meticulous regime and workout regime, you know, to, to keep the abs up for Star-Lord and Jurassic World 3 and whatever else he's making, that he's still at heart Andy Dwyer. So he's still at heart the guy who will, you know, who would prefer not to work out, who would prefer to just eat an entire tub of Oreos. Uh, and who among and us would not? I absolutely <laughs> am fully on board with that. So maybe he'd be a good roommate in that regard, but also the, the mess. Mm. The mess, Helen. The mess, I think, would be, would be significant. John Boyega. If we're talking about movie stars, then right. John Boyega would be a great uh, movie star to have as a roommate. I just, it's come to mind uh, that he took Harrison Ford to a Nigerian restaurant when he was in town. <laughs> yes. And John Boyega, if, if he knows all those spots, then it, that would be just an amazing guy to have as a roommate because I like me some Nigerian food. So <laughs> that would be awesome. I feel like also like he's a very well-dressed, well-turned-out guy. So he's probably kind of, I feel like that has a, a level of tidiness that comes with it, you know, and a level of just care and upkeep. So right, I feel yeah. like he'd be like a, a decent roommate. And also he Can seems we, to have awesome friends on yeah. Instagram. So yeah. and also the parties the, would be epic. Remember the time he just turned up at the Empire office? Yeah. Whenever yeah. he was like having his birthday and he was like, hey, where should I go? And we said, hey, come to the Empire offices and we'll, <laughs> we'll give you a cake. And, he, and lo and behold, he did. He turned never up, came yeah. back. Well, who can blame him? <laughs> I honestly can't. He turned up, he saw the Empire office, which usually makes the scales fall from people's eyes anyway. And they're going, this is your office? This is how you people live and work? Well, not live. We don't live at Empire. Well, <laughs> I, don't li- I don't live at Empire. Whenever. You don't have a cot under your desk. No. That's, just That's my worker realignment cage. <laughs> I am happy and proud. To work, uh, to work for Empire. Sorry. Weird electric shock there. So strange. Oh, that happened. Uh, but yes. Help us. <laughs> and also think of all the Star Wars swag you would get. Yeah, I mean that, so that much goes swag. Saying, yeah. So much swag. But then we we, but we, they... we gave him a we gave him a quiz. You remember that we gave him a Star Wars quiz. Yeah. And he he, he fluffed a couple of the uh, the questions. Wait. So I wouldn't want to come back to that environment. <laughs> but are, are we talking? Day. Are they film stars at the time we're at uni with them in this scenario? Like, you we know, need, we need do you really, get the Star Wars? We spot? need to interrogate the scenario yeah, further. The, the scenario is my imprecise. understanding is that roommate means something very different in the States than it does over here. Well, roommate in the States, like in colleges in the States, they seem to literally share a room. Yeah. Which Whereas is not here, the case. that's not the, the norm at all. You might have like four rooms around a shared area or something, but you mm. don't have a room that you have to share with someone else. Yes. Thank at, God. At uh, my university in York, for example, mm-hmm. I, at first year, I was on my own, in my own room. Wow. Oh. 
F4, which has just been demolished. They wow. should have had a fucking blue plaque over that place. They should have, <laughs> of course, Chris. No, they've just knocked it down without so much as a buy or leave. Um, and then whenever I, in second year and third year, I lived in a house, mm-hmm. housemates. So I don't know that roommate means anything over here necessarily. But so if we, if we can extend it to housemates, because I'm not sure I'd want to share a room with anybody. Mm. And that's no disrespect to Chris Pratt. That's no disrespect to John Boyega. But I think they'd either be messy or they'd both be playing very loud music at three in the morning and I can't, I can't be doing with that. No. Also, I don't, I, I don't think Chris Pratt would, would pay his share of the lucky bill. Oh, come <laughs> now. That seems unfair. I feel like he would pony up eventually. No. So in this case, in this scenario, they're not yet movie stars. They're just people. Let's just, just say people because okay. otherwise it's like, hang on. A, why am I at university? But also, um, I appear to be <laughs> sharing a, a room with a world-famous like, movie star. I feel like I'd, I'd like somebody who could teach me stuff and be better at stuff than I am. So, like, somebody who's more sporty, who could get me out of bed and go for you know, yoga or something. The Staith as a roommate. <laughs> the Staith. No. The room would be destroyed every single day. The room would be back. destroyed every single day. Plus, there'd be like a parade of really gorgeous women in and out of the flat. And I just think that would not be good for my confidence. He's a one woman man, the Staith. Yeah, a really gorgeous one. She on her own is a parade. Like, it's just not re- reasonable, quite frankly. Um, so, no, I would like somebody. I was thinking, I don't know why this is the person who came to mind, but someone. It's Chris Evans. It's not Chris Evans. <laughs> it's Chris Evans. <laughs> Kate Hudson is the person who came to mind, weirdly. I don't know why. I don't know why it's Kate Hudson, but it is Kate Hudson because she's really sporty and like she's always doing exercise. Or genuinely, Gwyneth. Gwyneth? Gwyneth. Because you'd get so many good tips and you'd be able to steal her skincare and your skin would be amazing. All right, okay. And there'd be fresh flowers everywhere and the, the, the fridge would be full of organic food. It'd be amazing. You could sit down and watch like movies with her and, mm. and tell her she she's in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is this? Sliding doors. I don't remember filming this. You're in the whole thing. With... What's this? Shakespeare in Love. Don't remember that. You won an Oscar for it. Yeah, basically that. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> when is Spider-Man in this one? No, this is Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> Which one's he in? Was I in a Spider-Man movie? Spider-Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was she in a Spider-Man movie? Yeah, which one? Homecoming. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. All right, Gwyneth. Uh, McConaughey. McConaughey. Oh, no, Naked Bongo. That's exactly Naked Bongo. That's exactly why. That's exactly why. Just for I've anyone been looking to form a nude band for a while, and <laughs> we, we need someone in bongos, quite frankly. For anyone not aware of this story, many years ago. Uh, Matthew McConaughey was arrested <laughs> for playing the bongo naked at like, something like 3am. How badly was he what? playing them? Yeah. And um, <laughs> this became a running joke on the Empire website at the time. And every time we had to write a news story about Matthew McConaughey, we'd call him... <laughs> uh, Matthew Bongo's McConaughey, <laughs> no. Hollywood's foremost naked jazz percussionist. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it amused us. I don't know if any of the readers ever <laughs> liked it, but you know. We yeah, did what we try could. Try putting that in your SEO search. <laughs> That's a, how long did that run for? Oh, a long time. It went for a really long wow. time. If, you've, if you listen to the show, Amon, you know that I can hammer a running joke into the ground <laughs> and then keep hammering it. Yeah. So, yeah. Not so much a running joke anymore as a post. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would, I, yeah, that'd be cool. Mm. He could, you know, you could play like an acoustic version of Losing My Religion. He could be on the naked bongos. <laughs> I'd be on the naked mandolin. I would not be visiting your flat. <laughs> Gwyneth and I would stay well away. Alan and John Boyega would be down the Nigerian restaurant. You know what I'm saying? My You're word. welcome to join. <laughs> Do I have to put on some clothes? Yes. 
non-negotiable. It's really non-negotiable. You and your rules. Ridiculous. Anyway, is that it? Have we answered the question to uh, to Jake Rapucci's satisfaction? Let's hope. The main thing is have a fantastic time at uni and yes. well done. And learn stuff. Learn stuff. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs and also have fun. Which mainly involves not learning stuff and doing drugs. Well, no, you couldn't have... Learning is fun, Chris. Did we learn nothing from the songs we sang in kindergarten? Yes. What's a prime number? A prime number is a number that's divisible by itself and one, just like one and two and three. I remember it now! Oh, my gosh! <laughs> and five and seven and eleven and thirteen and seventeen and so on. What was that you were saying about Beautiful. hamming a joke into the ground? <laughs> He turned his microphone down. He's like, I need to have a word with this guy. You come here. You come here. You're invited by my good grace into my house to take food from my table. (laughs) And you say that to me? Fair enough. Entitled to your opinion. All right. If you want to have your question read out in the Empire podcast, as Jake Rapucci did to his satisfaction, then you can get in touch with us via email, as Jake did. Podcast at empireonline.com. How exciting is that, guys? Or you can also tweet us. We're on Twitter as at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. Or you can Facebook us. I'm sure people do Facebook us. We never check. But <laughs> do send in a question to us via Facebook just in case hmm. one day I go, hey, Maybe, maybe not a time-sensitive question. <laughs> but yeah, if you've maybe got- not. I'm in a burning building. <laughs> <laughs> what movie do you recommend I use as a sort of plan template for getting out yeah don't don't do that the answer would be Avengers Infinity War <laughs> Backdraft I think Backdraft might be a better <laughs> how would Avengers Infinity War help you get out of a burning that's your building? answer to everything Chris no it's not Avengers Infinity War is the answer for when people ask me what film I recommend to watch on a daily basis mm. because I feel it's important that independent cinema is helped so true we thank Thanks, you for Chris. your service Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, yes, you can get in touch with us via a number of methods, and that's, uh, it's going to be... Uh, we look forward to your Facebook question. Help, I'm in a burning building. Help, the flames are literally <laughs> licking my skin. What do I do? And then halfway through, just a, a question that just stops mid-sentence. Dark. Profound. Right, enough shenanigans. Earlier in the show, I told you that this podcast was brought to you this week by the National Lottery Cinema Day, and here to tell you more about it in a segment that wasn't pre-recorded, honest is Chris Hewitt. Time now for a word from our sponsor. You love movies. At least, I hope you do. Otherwise, why the hell would you be listening to this? Anyway, you love movies. We've established that. What's better than going to the movies? Well, I'll tell you. Going to the movies for free. Free. Which you can do on Sunday, the 25th of August, thanks to the National Lottery Cinema Day. Yes, they're offering over 500,000, that's half a million, free cinema tickets for use at Odeon and participating independent cinemas across the UK. And yes, that includes Northern Ireland as well, which is good to see for once. And that's all happening next Sunday, the 25th of August. And all you have to do to qualify for a free ticket is buy a ticket for the Lotto Double Prize event draw on August 24th, either online or in-store. And every time you play the National Lottery, you are supporting UK film production from making new films to bringing fantastic movies to audiences, as well as community projects across the country, all of which, along with the BFI Film Academy, benefit from National Lottery investment. 
For more information, plus the usual T's and C's, which are very important, pop along to cinemaday.co.uk. That's cinemaday.co.uk. Booking opens on the 21st of August. Now, it is first come, first served, so they can guarantee everyone a ticket. But in that case, you're more than welcome to watch a movie round Helen's. Excellent stuff there from Chris. Well, me in a segment that totally wasn't pre-recorded. Right, so we have some uh, movie news now. God, yes, please. Okay, let's talk about some movie news. It um, was quite a week for trailers, wasn't it? Oh, yes, it was. my word. What a week. What a week. I've just finished watching the last Christmas trailer, which was four days long. So that, yeah. that took up my week. Can, can I talk about my theory of what this film is going to be about? And in case I'm right, which I'm almost certainly not, you might want to like <laughs> fast forward forward. Like a minute. These are pre-spoilers. This, these are pre-spoilers. These are guesses, so they are they could be entirely wrong. Okay, here goes. So should we set up the premise of this movie the, briefly from, sure. in terms of what the trailer okay, is? So non-spoilery, okay. the trailer non-spoilery, is. Yep. Uh, Amelia Clark is working in a Christmas shop, dressed as an elf, uh, but she's miserable and her life is going wrong and she's yes. accident prone because all oh. beautiful women in movies are clumsy. Um, and she's also had a very serious illness in her past, oh. which very much worried her mum, Emma Thompson. But, oh. you know, and now she's just kind of finding it hard to engage with life until, until. super handsome, handsome dude, what a handsome Henry dude. Golding turns up. So handsome, so much face. And there's a certain amount of walking around beautifully Christmas light lit streets of London looking oh. extremely handsome at each and other. well lit. So well lit. So well lit. Mm. So face, much handsome. That is correct. Um, so that's what we know, essentially, right? Here's my theory. And it's not mine. I read it online. Is your theory that Henry Golding's the most attractive man on the planet? Because if so, I don't think that's, that's really my a theory. theory. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's fact. Weird theory um, for you to come up with, but okay. The theory is, it's kind of <laughs> six cents meets seven pounds, Right. Hang on, that's the heart that 42. She got a heart transplant, which made her not sick anymore, and it's his heart. Um, and he's a so ghost. How's he walk- oh, he's a ghost man. He's a ghost man. Oh my God. I hope that's not what's happening. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that this is my desire for the film, but that is all too plausible on the basis of this one trailer. The working title was originally Henry Golding is a Christmas Ghost Man. So, oh my God. Potentially, you might be right there. I don't know. There's also some speculation that he might be an angel. Yeah, I mean, like, same line, difference in this. Like, the not tagline like is, a, it's yeah. a wonderful life, but with wonderful crossed out. So there might be a Ooh. hint there that you know, he's, a, he's a sort of Clarence type Do figure. Do we know his name? Is his name Clarence? Tom. His name is Tom. His name is Tom. I'm going to debunk your theory. Okay, bring it. Henry Golding will never die. He's too handsome. <laughs> I mean, you make a compelling case. <laughs> okay. Good point. So, well argued. he will deflect <laughs> death. <laughs> Uh, no, the uh, because people said he either he's wearing the same clothes all the way through the movie, the trailer, or a variation of the same mm-hmm. clothes. The same way that spoiler alert for a film that's twenty years old and is one of the most famous twists of all time, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis does yeah. in the Sixth Sense because his character is a ghost. And if I've spoiled that movie for you, then get out. I don't more. know what to say. <laughs> but he does wear different clothes in one scene. He switches to a black jumper where he's usually wearing a grey jumper or a blue jumper You've all the way through. blowing this thing we wide went, open, We went Chris. through this thing forensically yesterday <laughs> and he, he does seem to be wearing something different. But people say he doesn't interact with anyone else. Yeah, that we see he does interact with an object, I think, at one point, though. So, you know, yes. that would imply some kind of physicality. There's another theory we, we were uh, setting up yesterday that he his wife may be the person whose heart is no. keeping uh, Amelia Clark alive and so 
because he, he says, she says, oh, why are you bumping accidentally into me? And he goes, not accidentally. And so maybe he's going out of his way to keep an eye on the woman who's oh. living because of his wife's heart. I thought she was saying... Like she was claiming she bumped into him accidentally. No, he's no. He said not accidentally. He said oh, he okay. says, "Oh yes," to suggest that he's been orchestrating these little these uh. little bumpy bumps. Anyway, I mean, it yeah. doesn't really matter because I'm 100% in the bag for this and couldn't be seeing it more <laughs> at all. Like, I watched those Christmas movies on Netflix, you know. So this one, like a, a, an actually good-looking Christmas movie with actually mm-hmm. good people in it and also good-looking people in it, like, obviously I'm there. It's mm. not even a question. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed the trailer as well. Henry Golding is very charming. Isn't he attractive? Um, Don't you think he's attractive? He's a good-looking dude. All right, guys. I have a bit geez. of a man crush. <laughs> Amelia Clark is also super, super beautiful and is, and is, is very funny. And I is think someone else in that trailer <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to see her get a chance to do comedy mm. and not just stress about dragons yes yeah. <laughs> because apparently she's really yeah like I've interviews yeah. with her she's, she's very funny and stuff so. exactly yeah I'll always be here for Paul Feig, who is the best dressed man in the business <laughs> this is true and that is worthy of respect time money everything so yes yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I like this as well I'm slightly worried by how how closely they're going to try and make this thing be another love actually Given that Love Actually is one of the worst movies ever made, but um, no, but it's been so long since we had a proper Christmas rom com. Yes. I feel like we need it in our no, lives right now. Absolutely, so it's be I'm, good. I'm fully on board. Fully on board. Every also, day is Christmas Eve. Yes. Also, speaking of the Christmas season, uh, we got the first trailer for Little Women, and I could not be more on board with this one <laughs> if I were literally standing on a ship called Little Women. Um, it's Fantastic looking. Uh, obviously, everybody's read this book. Uh, every girl certainly has read this book as a teenager or just before. It's a really good story that stands up. It's a story about four sisters. That's literally it. So why and not it call it Four Sisters? Because that's a little bit sort of Marky Mark Wahlberg kind of crime yeah, drama. Okay. Precisely. So this one, it's genuinely fascinating because it's based on the author Louisa May Alcott's childhood and life and her family. And her family were super feminist. They were really early feminists. They were really activist. In the book, her dad's gone off to fight in the US Civil War and, and the, the family's trying to stay together until he gets back. In actuality, it was Louisa herself who went off and served as a nurse in the Civil War because they were that freaking awesome. Um, and I think this film, it's Greta Gerwig directing, Sasha Ronan starring, so they're obviously trying to bring that feminism and that kind of fieriness out of it and not just sort of... It's sometimes been kind of a bit twee, this story, and I think they're trying mm-hmm. to very much downplay that and play up the, the sort of the independence because it is all there in the text and it is all there in Louisa May Alcott's life. And it is also really all true. You can go and see her house in Concord, Massachusetts, which in fairness she bought after she, as a growing up because mm-hmm. you know she mm-hmm. made some money. But literally her sister May's drawings are there. May is the model for Amy. Um, her sister Beth's piano is there. Beth wow. was the model for Beth. I mean, it's genuinely <laughs> really went to town those names didn't she? <laughs> have you been yourself I have yeah oh, I honestly geeked out like <laughs> like it was a spaceship like I was just like oh my god I didn't need, know I was that into this cinematic universe but I totally am um, so and the casting here is perfect what point did Ant Man and the Wasp turn up in this one is this Ant Man and the Wasps Ant Man and the Wasps no, no. no but no I, I think this is this is going to be great the casting it looks spot on and I'm really excited to see what Greta Garwick does with it so the last version correct me if I'm wrong well, there was a TV a version a couple of years ago oh, with Maya Hawke, um, who was very good, actually, as Joe. The last film version was Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon. Um, Christian Bale Chris, in that? Christian Bale. He was Laurie. So he's the Timothy Chalamet character. Oh. 
Um, Saoirse Ronan obviously was Winona. Yep. Susan Sarandon, Laura Dern. What a cast. I know, right? Yeah. It was, let's see, Beth was her from My So-Called Life. Lili Sobieski? Uh, Homeland. Claire Danes. Claire Danes, yeah. thank you. Sorry. I'm not even sure Lili Sobieski's mm-hmm. in... Um, My So-Called Life now. My So-Called Life. I don't I'm sure she is. watched it at some point. <laughs> Thanks. I thought you said Circle of Life for a second. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Simba? <laughs> was Simba in this? But yeah, it's, it just looks great and I can't wait. Yeah, I have, I, I'll be honest. I, um, I I haven't read the book. No, neither um, have I. But no, I, 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 I will correct that. Would you recommend I read the book before watching the movie? Yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah, do it. It's easy. Yeah, do it, man. Do Come it. Come on. And you. <laughs> what are you doing? You as well. I should read it also. Uh, is Jack Reacher in it? I'm saying nothing. Now I have to read it. Just in case he does show up at the end. It's like afterwards, it's like, Ellen, you told me to read a book. Jack Reacher wasn't in it. And I learned <laughs> stuff and grew as a person. What's that about? That would be so upsetting furious. for you. Mm. Uh, absolutely furious. Uh, we should talk about what else came out this week. Dolomite is my name came out this week as well. Mm. Uh, trailer for that, which is the long-awaited return of Eddie Murphy to the big screen. It's been too damn long. What was the last film he made? Was it that thousand Mr. words? Mr. Church. Mr. Church. Uh, so it hasn't been that long, but that movie kind of came yeah. and went and died a death. But it has been a while since we saw Eddie Murphy do... Eddie Murphy mm. and this looks like a lot of fun yeah now I really really like this I was saying to Helen actually earlier this week that I was I've been re-watching some classic Eddie Murphy I've been re-watching the Beverly Hills Cop movies which are still at least the first two are really really good yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's really good to see him back again I know that coming to America is coming yes. out very soon and coming to America is my favourite comedy of all time really uh, yeah it's just I. It's, it's, it's one of those handful of films you watch with your family growing up that you can watch and re-watch and still laugh out loud hard at everything mm. even though you know exactly what's coming uh, so it's really really good to see him and what looks to be him back on form absolutely and so yeah fingers it's crossed hard not to think of Bowfinger when you're looking at this movie which is <laughs> a, a, a kind of not quite a ne'er-do-well but certainly a guy who's in way over his head mm. yeah very optimistic and very naive about what the film business has in store. And all the, the insidery film stuff looks really, really funny to me. It's written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karasuski, who are the guys who wrote Ed Wood and People vs. Larry Flint. And it's directed by Craig Brewer. And clearly he and Eddie Murphy got on like a house on fire doing this because Craig Brewer is the director of Coming to America, yeah. which is filming soon, if not already started filming, but it's got his cask together. Yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes is in it. Amazing. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah. Looks really funny in this film. Yeah. And I, I, this could be the kind of the career lifeline that he needs in a way because after his troubles and he came mm-hmm. out from prison and then he's been doing an awful lot of bad DTV schlock. He as did have a cameo in What We Do in the Shadows. He did have that. <laughs> Between that and Dolomite Is My Name, and who knows, even perhaps the resurgence of interest in Blade yeah. following the announcement of Mahershala Ali in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then perhaps Wesley, who's still got it, will yeah. be back in the comeback trail with this one. But I also feel in a weird way Eddie Murphy's in the comeback trail with this as mm. well. And I know it's going to be hitting the festival circuit. I think it's going to be in Toronto. Oh, cool. And it's going to be getting its debut in Toronto. Then it's going to be playing on Netflix. It's a, it's, it's a Netflix movie by and large, but it will be getting a theatrical release of some kind. And so clearly... I wonder if maybe he just, the, 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 the fire had dimmed for him a little bit and maybe this has galvanized him and rekindled that fire and now he's doing Coming to America and might be doing loads of stuff after that as well. So cool. welcome back, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, absolutely. Right. His Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee was also really good. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Highly recommended. Um, we should talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, let's talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. I'm excited about this. So this is the news that uh, Ewan McGregor 
is in talks to star in a Disney Plus limited edition <laughs> series following the adventures of, well, I presume his Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sure. <laughs> It'd be weird otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fully on board for this because the prequels are much maligned, but I think he's one of the best things about them. And it's fascinating tracking his portrayal of that character over the three movies because he's one of the few things that gets better mm-hmm. as the movies go along. Uh, he's a little bit undeserved, certainly by The Phantom Menace, but by the end, by Revenge of the Sith, he's carrying that movie on yeah. his shoulders. Yeah, he is. He is where he invests more of himself in the role and he's less about trying to do an Alec Guinness impression, although that gets better as well uh, than it is about just giving the character personality that's that's his own. Mm. And, and I, I think, think he's great. Yeah, I think this is really interesting as well because this is the, that middle time period where he suddenly ages 40 years in a mere 20. Some bad shit goes down <laughs> in Tatooine. <laughs> but mate, genuinely, I mean, why not? Let's have some bad shit going down in Tatooine that might explain how he turns into elderly Alec Guinness quite so quickly. Yeah. And there is there is obviously room there. You know, he's got to keep Luke sort of hidden. He's got um, probably got some hopefully Jedi survivors to try and help smuggle away or whatever else. There's lots of potential there for, for something to do. You could even get Joel Edgerton back, actually. It's Uncle Lars. That would be cool. I don't know if they'd want to, but they yeah. could. Mm. Yeah. Now, also yeah. very, very yeah. excited about this. I know that Obi-Wan has popped up in, obviously, he's a big part of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think he's popped up in Rebels as well. I'm a, but not I'm, McGregor, right? Uh, no, yeah. it was somebody no. else voicing him. Okay. Uh, doing a very, very good job, but it wasn't McGregor. Doing a very, um, very good job. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see exactly what story they find to tell within all of that. But, yeah, happy to see McGregor back in the role with his beautiful beard. Mm. as well <laughs> but this is interesting as well because there was talk when they were doing the Solo spin-offs mm-hmm. of which Solo was one that there was going to be was, a Stephen yeah. Daldry Stephen Daldry was working on a Obi-Wan Kenobi movie mm. that would star Ewan McGregor and I'm glad it's Ewan McGregor I don't want yeah. them to recast yeah two is enough get confusing quite frankly but also yeah like I said he's really good in those prequels you know what I may go back and rewatch them don't the do it Chris <laughs> every time you've done it you've had your heart broken <laughs> so just, yeah. just yeah. don't yeah. there's just one more reason to definitely get Disney Plus when, when it's finally unveiled you know this is the thing like whenever it was first announced I was like oh, I'm not so sure about this guys you know I don't I can't I'm at breaking point already. I can't afford Netflix and mm. Amazon subscription and all this sort of stuff. And then they go, yeah, but we're going to have Marvel Cinematic Universe limited edition seasons that will actually factor into the wider MCU. And I go, yeah, but okay, it's just going to be rubbish, isn't it? It's just going to be nonsense. That's going to be Loki and WandaVision and Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. Sign me and, up. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I will have four subscriptions, please. Just multiple for devices. And now, and now this, and it's just, oh, yeah, okay, I'm there. I'm there. The reboot of Home Alone we talked about last week, now you can take that but yeah this sort of stuff fully on board Disney are too good at this game well are they though because let's talk about another story this week uh oh Aladdin (laughs) now the Aladdin remake I think it's passed a billion dollars at the box office. It has. It, it made is the Will Smith's. That's congratulate. Well done, corporation. Yeah. <laughs> You've done it again. <laughs> it is Will Smith's biggest film now, which is kind of depressing because, you know, I liked his other ones. I was really hoping mm. Six Degrees of Separation would kick in on, <laughs> on home video. Seven pounds, man. It never got its due. <laughs> That's what it made, isn't it? Um, yeah, about that. Um, but they are now looking to make an Aladdin sequel. So not content with raiding their catalogue for remakes, they're now sequelizing the remakes 
of their hit films. But they're already doing that, aren't they? Because Maleficent, Mistress of Evil is coming out in about two months' time. Yeah, but Maleficent was a bit different because it wasn't a shot-for-shot remake of Sleeping Beauty. Um, It tried to do something different, didn't always succeed, but fine. This was, you know, a shot-for-shot remake plus of Aladdin. Um, so what does this make, the sequel? The Return of Jafar? I mean, are we going down the straight to VHS sequels? Um, be doing those over Because it'd be kind of funny, but also maybe not. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm wary. I would like to see some new things, you know, what? given a chance. Look, what sort of monster are you? Okay, so the story of Aladdin comes from what source? A the Thousand and One Nights. Book. You're so right, Chris. Yes. So there's literally a thousand and one stories that you could adapt that aren't Aladdin. Just in that one book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely on board for this, but hey. hey. Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's, it made a billion people like money. They want more, so. I'm not but, saying but I'm surprised. That's, I think, the wisest thing that's ever been said in the Empire podcast. <laughs> Thank it's you. True. It is true, though. People hey. like money and they want more. Can I say, I'm, I'm here to deliver the, the profound facts <laughs> on the show. I think uh, you've, 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 you've nailed it. <laughs> thank you. It's true, though. Because, I'm, uh, I'm leaving now. I'm done. You're, you're, <laughs> come on's gone. Because <laughs> <laughs> we like money. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> but, yeah. um, I, I mean, I, I don't mind Return of Jafar as a film, so... You know, I don't I w- think uh, they're going to do that. Do you think? <sighs> I think there'll be elements of it. And honestly, you know, you say Aladdin was a shot for shot. I found there to be just enough fresh stuff there for it to be enjoyable. Like if if they had gone the Lion King route, um, then I'd be 100% with you. But I do think they freshen that up. So if they they go more towards the 50-50 divide of fresh stuff and sort of adhering to what's come before then I could be down with it. Look, I mean, I'll, obviously I'll see it and everything, yeah. but I just, I'm not 100% sure that sequels to remakes are the way forward. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, Alice Through the Looking Glass was not, I think oh, it's fair to say, super yeah, great. That's yeah. fair. So That is fair. I don't know. Listen, I'm sure, maybe maybe yeah. it'll be fine. I think most people thought the first one was fairly pedestrian. Uh, maybe this one can build on that. Mm. Who knows? Maybe Guy Ritchie won't return to direct. It's a crazy notion. It'll it is never a crazy work. notion, but uh, but maybe this means that means almost certainly then they're going to do a sequel to The Lion King, right? No, please no. I mean, which is about to become, I think, their biggest non-Marvel live action live action, and of course, heavy quotation marks. So many quotes. Hit. Yeah. Yeah. But you never know, it might happen. Uh, speaking of live action, they also released this week the first still from the live action Disney Plus remake of Lady in the Trap. And I'm not <laughs> kidding when I say it's just two dogs. It's just, <laughs> and this isn't even like the. Are they the, eating spaghetti? No, they're not. They're just. What? They're just what looking, even is the point? <laughs> but it's, it's not. This isn't. They haven't gone down the Lion King route. So this isn't like when they release a picture from the Lion King and they go, here is your first look at Beyonce Knowles as Nala. And it's literally just a lion <laughs> that looks photo real. And you're going, what? Have you just gone to the zoo and shot a lion? That's amazing. No, this is literally two dogs. That's the route they've gone down here. The sort of, you know, old school Disney. We're getting dogs that can act. I mean, I would be up for that worked for babe mostly <laughs> it did yeah uh, so that's exciting so well done they well done lady in the trap hey a couple of other things uh, Russell Brand is in talks to join the cast and this is a bit of a surprise actually because I thought his movie career was largely over by his choice uh, he's in talks to join the ever swelling cast of Kenneth Bernard's Death on the Nile 
Ooh. Interesting. Interesting person for that mix. Mm. And the mix includes, of course, Bernard himself as Hercule Bernard Poirot. Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> glorious moustache. Gal Gadot. Uh-huh. Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's a, it's a plain, plain looking bunch then, is it? <laughs> the only way they can improve that is if they get Henry Golden in, right? Am I right? <laughs> so uh, who, handsome. Who else is in this? Jodie Comer is in this. Oh, as Tom well. Bateman, of course, is back. Tom Annette Benning. Ba- of course, Tom Bateman's back. You can't do this without Bateman. I mean, <laughs> well, no, but he was, you know, he was sidekick, isn't it? Book. Sidekick. Book. book. Yeah. Book, book, book. <laughs> um, so yeah very excited about that and Brand will be joining it oh and Annette Benning. I just said Annette Benning. did you? yeah I didn't hear that bit how did he lead with Russell Brand is in talks to join <laughs> Death in the Nile <laughs> I'm kind of you've buried the lead guys <laughs> so that's going to start shooting soon and that is of course a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express which I uh, I liked a lot uh, mm-hmm. of things about that and I'm hopeful that again this may be a sequel that can improve upon the original but Russell Brand in this cast did you guys think that he was pretty much done with movies that he's you know he was retreating into podcasts and and being a sort of self-help guru mm, and, and avoiding taking care of his own children for more than 24 hours at a time ever um, yeah I did kind of <laughs> by his own admission oh, damn. by his own admission <laughs> oh my god I don't drop on the mic whoa <laughs> he said it oh, anyway okay. um, I kind of did but also I feel like he's an odd fit for that kind of period piece and I wonder how much he's going to have to kind of because he draws attention to himself as back. an actor I mean, not necessarily as an actor. I, don't, I think he's actually a decent actor in the roles he's been given, but they have generally been this kind of outre, kind of very outrageous guy, and that's not very Agatha Christie. And so I'm kind of interested to see how he fits into this ensemble, really. Do you know the book? Uh, I've read it years ago, and I've seen one of the adaptations, but I have no memory for Agatha Christie plots. So yeah, no I know it's the one on the Nile on a boat. And there's a death. <laughs> there's a death. There's a death, and it's on the Nile. That's about all I can remember. <laughs> I'm with you on this being Alad the Bots casting. I I watch Ballers every now and then, and that's the last time I've seen Russell Brand act in anything. And that character is sort of big and outwardly, mm. and it suits his persona. Uh, but it's kind of fun aren't that directing this as well again. Mm. Um, maybe thank, thank you for uh, for. Adhering to my <laughs> pronunciation. authentic pronunciation of the surname. Um, then maybe he has seen something we have not. And uh, yeah, we're mm. going to find out. Oh, he's got a serious eye for talent, yeah. as Branner. I think he's a good actor, Russell Brand, when he, when he uh, allows himself to be. Uh, I think he's got hidden depths. I'm looking through his career, and they're really well hidden, actually. <laughs> I'm looking through his <laughs> filmography. Um, I mean, my word, they're well hidden. But I am basing this on virtually nothing. But I've got—I think he's got something about him, and oh. uh, a certain. Oh, he'd, he'd probably have some sort of fancy word. He goes, Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, it's one of those things. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, did I mention that I saw finally saw Murder Mystery? No. no, I finally saw it. Wow, it's good, you guys. Cool, it's good, <laughs> legit, legit good. If you don't know what Murder Mystery is, it's the uh, latest of the Adam Sandler Netflix movies. And I know you're rolling your eyes and you're I going, mean, really? Is this one with Jennifer Aniston? Yeah. This is one with Jennifer Aniston. Legit good is, is really strong. It's legit good. <laughs> it's, it's really strong praise for that film. It's legit good. I, Jennifer Aniston in particular is a delight. Jennifer Aniston <laughs> is a delight. They have much they and have yet, good chemistry and mm. she's very funny. She's probably the funniest thing in it. 
got a good cast because I, I kind of I didn't know who was in it really I just oh, I, I was going on a long bus tour bus tour long oh. bus journey and I thought I'll download a couple of films uh, finally I'll download Murder Mystery which is Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston go on holiday on a cruise in, the, in Europe and getting broiled in a murder mystery he's a cop and she wants to be a detective and all that sort of stuff and it's a good cast it's like Luke Evans yeah. and uh, Gemma Arterton wow. and um, uh, Adil Akhtar and Terence Stamp shows up as well and it's written and produced by James Vanderbilt he also wrote Zodiac so wow. it's got a script you guys <laughs> I mean and it's directed, I've seen it Chris it's not directed by one of, <laughs> of, of Sandler's stable and I laughed I laughed throughout wow. and I thought it was quite sweet it has problems and it could have probably been done with a little bit more work but I thought it was sweet and charming and it is my film of the year. So, oh there we go. I am telling Avengers. I'm telling Avengers what's, on you right now. What's Avengers? What's Avengers? I see only murder mystery. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, just one last thing. We should talk about the very handsome Henry Golding because I don't think he's come up this podcast at all. Um, and the news that he is apparently lined up to play Snake Eyes in a G.I. Joe spin-off because apparently that's a thing now. <laughs> My question is this. Do we approve of Henry Golding being cast as a character who not only never speaks, but also never shows his face? I mean, why would you do that? It's like when they cast Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse. And you remember, I was like, this is like... Furious. I was furious. <laughs> furious. I was like, this is like painting over the Mona Lisa. You do not shave that man's head well, and paint should. him the blue. The Mona Lisa's shit. Don't you fucking start with me, okay? I don't want to have to give you my Leonardo da Vinci lecture, all right? So I don't want to hear your Leonardo yeah, da Vinci Yeah, exactly. Lecture. So you better respect. I went to the da Vinci Museum recently in Venice. It was closed until March, so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Should have checked the website. Should have checked the website. <laughs> checked the website. I'm hoping the fact that they are casting Henry Golding means that we are, we are going to see his face and we are going to hear him speak. But will that not just be like Judge Dredd taking his helmet off? Isn't that anathema to the fans? Aren't they going to have... be up in arms? Does anyone really care? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Genuine question. I Did don't you ever know. have the Snake Eyes action figures? Like, you know, because the G.I. Joe over here was Action Force. Action Man, wasn't it? Man, uh, action, action Force, then it became Action Man. And I used, to, I used to have these toys when I was a kid. And I wonder if you could actually take Snake Eyes' helmet off. I'm pretty sure I'd, I've, I've, I've tried that. I, did, I, I just had the little women action figures. So, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I used to get my Star Wars figures and uh, and all my other action figures. And I used to, you know, sorry Marvel, but I was doing shared universes long before you were. <laughs> and I used to have them stage Titanic battles against each other. Uh-huh. And I used to get red felt tip pens. And I used to draw the... The, bl- the, the blood and the gore and the wounds oh on them. Oh my God, yeah. you gory, weak, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> That's really sick. Did yeah. you not have a problem that like the Star Wars figures were so much smaller than like the G.I. Joes? Um, not always, no. The Action, the action Force ones yeah. were fairly standard size. Action Man you're thinking of, yeah, which is he huge. Was like, action yeah. Man was huge. Uh, action Force were, oh, were standard okay. Because then and, they could fit in the yeah, cars and everything. But they were like Cobra as well, and we didn't have we didn't have GI Joe over here. But yeah. I, again, so the Snake Eyes. Yeah, yeah. But my, my point is, I'm not sure people care about this the way they care about uh, dread. Dread. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, also, Henry Golding's face is so handsome mm. that it would repel any mask <laughs> that people try to put on it. I'm just impressed at the CV he's building up too. Um, mm. He's got Crazy Rich Asians, A Simple Favor, with a U. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now this is his first sort of action-y role, uh, which is cool. Um, he is on my list of potential James Bonds once yes. Daniel mm. Craig retires. So He's on um, mine next to uh, the other Henry. 
Cavill. Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the eighth. <laughs> yeah, Henry VIII and his many Bond wives. Divorced, beheaded, shot by Blofeld. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that old rhyme. Um, uh, Cavill. Cavill. Okay. Yeah. And, and Golding as well. So, yeah, it'll be good to see him in an action role. And I just like the fact that, you know, for... Uh, martial arts enthusiasts it's a good time you've got Shang-Chi coming out you've got yes. this coming out Iko Wei and Louis Tan just did Wu Assassins which dropped on yep. Netflix recently so it's a good time um, <laughs> I uh, would like to finish with one last thing which neither of you will care about so I'm just going to run through this pretty quickly before we discuss the Little Women trailer um, oh harsh <laughs> <laughs> this is actually another of my favourite books this is the Wheel of Time series by Robert oh, Jordan God. <laughs> you're right James will be summoned like Mjolnir he'll just come bursting through <laughs> that wall any second now so they've actually cast the main new cast um, the young leads who Rosamund Pike basically leads on an adventure they're pretty much newcomers um, or at least not massively established names but it's Joshua Stradowski as Rand who's our main guy he's like person destined to hopefully save the world but maybe he won't um, Marcus Rutherford is Perrin and Barney Harris will be Matt so that's the three Tavaren which if you've read the books they're very important the two women from their home village are Zoe Robbins as Nynaeve and Madeline Madden as Egwene um, Chris <laughs> I'm going as quick as I can both of them are, are magic users so the guys all have this weird thing that kind of shapes fate around them so they uh-huh. have the ability to twist events just by their presence but they don't it's not a conscious thing it's just like it happens so okay. they're all kind of interesting and pivotal figures and the women turn out to be spoiler magic users so they get to study with Rosamund Pike's character now again there's been some faff on Twitter and elsewhere because some of these people are not white but actually, if you read the books closely, you'll see that the people of the two rivers have darker skin. So this actually fits really, really well. And those people should shut up. And this is it's not <laughs> like this story is going to lack for white people either, because they go to all sorts of different kingdoms and different peoples uh, during their travels. And there's going to be a lot of potential for lots and lots of different skin tones. Anyway, I'm super hyped because these are really, really good books and I love them. And I don't want to hear about it if you like James think there are too many descriptions of dresses and or food um, because they you know they set a place and a time and I like it Rosalind Pike is always worth watching so it was definitely thank you for putting it on my radar I hope they can, you know, get all the story of the like fourteen books into this series. I'm but, barely yeah. going to have time to read Little Women. Let I know, yeah, fourteen <laughs> books in the Wheel of Time series, and they're all about eight hundred pages. Yeah, Jeez. I know. And this is one of the things that this actually put me off Game of Thrones. <laughs> I yeah. downloaded it to my iPad, and I couldn't barely lift the fucking thing. So, <laughs> I'm going to finish off with a whole bunch of uh, newses in briefs. So, Jordan Peele is producing the Candyman sequel. It's a sequel. It does seem to be a sequel rather than a reboot. Cool. Or it might be a reboot quill or a sequel or whatever it is. Side quill. Uh, so Nia DaCosta is directing it. Peel has co-written the screenplay. Tony Todd, Candyman himself, may appear. Looks like he may appear. And this week, Coleman Domingo, who is on Fear of the Walking Dead, and Nathan Stewart Jarrett uh, joined the cast and has started filming this week. Nice. So that's cool. Coleman Domingo is great. Big fan. Yes, he's very, very he's a um, playwright as well, isn't he? I think he might be right. Oh, yes, yeah. I think he like is. Like Denai Guerrero. Yeah. How yeah. much free time do they have on the Walking Dead? <laughs> Big show, a lot of cast. <laughs> yeah. 
And, oh. and so is Lenny James. Lenny James' oh God, um, yeah. Save Me is about to enter into it. Not a playwright, but he, he clearly has time, downtime <laughs> to, to write some stuff. So that's going to be cool. Very excited about that one indeed. Uh, Neil Blomkamp mm. is off. Robocop returns, according to a tweet that he tweeted this week, saying <laughs> off Robocop, MGM basically want to go with it right now, uh, and I'm off working on something else, a horror film. And uh, how do we feel about that? Why do MGM need this right now? I'm just frustrated because it's like the second straight project in a row that Blomkamp's been working on. We're really excited and then he mm. goes off. Maybe is... he shouldn't announce them beforehand. <laughs> Wait till you're all yeah. your ducks are in a row. Yeah. And I thought Blomkamp and Robocop was a really good uh, match as well. I think that could have been really good. I'm still a bit scarred by the last Robocop, yeah, so you know, I wouldn't mind waiting a little bit longer for this one. Yes, indeed. And I think this film, I think honestly, I think whatever film Neil Blomkamp does next is going to be really important for his career and how he is perceived as a director because I think most people thought District 9 was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think most people will say that the two films he's made since have not been in the fantastic camp, Elysium and Chappie. And there's no shortage of ideas and there's no shortage of stuff he's thrown at the wall, but not all of it sticks in, in either of those movies. Mm-hmm. And it feels to me like he's got two misses out of three so far. And if his next movie is a third, well, he's a white guy in Hollywood. He'll make another 10 movies, but <laughs> there, you know, yep. it won't be. I don't think, I think the early promise of District 9 will have been squandered mm-hmm. potentially. Anyway, that's it for the uh, the movie news section because it is now time for this week's guest. Ooh, How way. exciting. And it is exciting because Simon Amstel is someone I've been watching on TV for a long, long time. He burst through, of course, as a host on Pop World where he was renowned for his acerbic put-downs of celebrities and uh, he's a stand-up comedian as well. Then he uh, became the host of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, which, is, which if you're listening to this in the States, uh, is a very funny uh, it was a very funny music panel quiz show, and he was he was razor sharp in that. Mm, really, really good. Razor sharp. Uh, if you if you have a spare few minutes, then you know just Google uh, YouTube Simon Amstel Nevermind the Buzzcocks, and you'll see lots of uh, great rejoinders and and uh, and comebacks and whatnot. Very very funny guy. But he's also he's got a lot of interesting pursuits creatively. He uh, wrote and starred in the sitcom Grandma's House a few years ago and now has decided to, to turn his talents and attention towards the big screen with Benjamin. Technically speaking, this is his second film. He made a documentary about 66 minutes a couple of years ago. But this is, I believe, the first movie of his to get a theatrical release. It's now out on DVD and download. Uh, you can get it right now and it is a tale of a young... <laughs> it's a tale of a young... A uh, young gay film director, played by Colin Morgan, using his own Northern Irish accent, Helen. Hey. Uh, and uh, and he struggles to navigate his his life and his love life as well. So stop me if this sounds familiar in regards to Simon Amstel himself, <laughs> as we talked about uh, in great detail. He's a lot of fun. He came into this booth. He sat in that chair, Helen, that oh very God. chair. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, and he even attempted the world's first director's commentary Purely from memory. Didn't go well, but there you go. <laughs> Here we go. Simon Amstel. Enjoy. 
Delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the writer and director of Benjamin, Mr. Simon Amstel. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've just been watching trying to get the grips with the fact that this is basically a one-man band situation. And uh, podcast, I, 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 I can't yeah. help but feel I've appalled you in some way. No, no. I'm, I'm just happy to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great motto. That's yeah, why I say I every day when I walk into this, this, this studio, I'm yeah. just glad to be alive. You have to say that sort of thing. With this lighting and, you know, <laughs> sort of feeling like everyone else in the world has died. I, I had no say in the building of this room, by the way. It's very, it's lovely. Should we describe it for people who haven't, <laughs> who haven't had the pleasure of it? It's, it's a, just a soundproof room. Yeah. It's just, there's something quite uh, upsetting. It's good that it's soundproof, isn't it, for a podcast? It is. You, you don't want the noise. They can't hear the screams yeah. of the people who are trapped in here. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a grey room. I think we can describe it like that. Yeah. But they've, they've gone for a bit of charcoal grey in the middle, a little mm. bit of panelling. There is a TV behind Simon's head, which simply says the, the words Bauer Media Group. And it's very, very harsh lighting as well. But uh, apart from that, everything's good. It's good to see you. It, yeah, I am here. I'm not a hologram, which is great. <laughs> which is great. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's good to talk about Benjamin. We, I think we tried to do it whenever the, the, the movie came out in cinemas. Uh, but now we've got you here. The movie's out, about to come out in DVD... Uh, digital, the whole kit and caboodle on, on Monday, August 12th. Yes. There you go. Thanks for coming in, Simon. No it's problem. Been, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> We've hit all the major talking points. <laughs> We're good to go. Um, I love the movie. Uh, and I want to say as well that uh, it's great to see that you've made a film about a group of people who are severely and sorely underrepresented in cinema. I'm talking, of course, about socially awkward Northern Irish people. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did that. That was... It wasn't on purpose, but okay. that, that did happen. Well, how did it happen? How, do, how, does, how does Colin retain his own, uh, his own mother tongue in this? And I was, I was delighted to see it. Well, we first met, I don't know how long ago, and he, he, we, we read a bit of the script together and uh, he put on this London accent and I, 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 it was fine, you know, it was good. Uh-huh. But it didn't seem, there didn't seem to be any need for him to put something in between... Uh, himself and and the character another layer yeah so I was like just uh, your voice seems lovely just do that and also <laughs> it's like I feel like there's something funny there's something funny in the accent and it worked quite well with my writing and I, I thought best to retain that natural voice that he's got yeah did he did he struggle with it at any point because here's a weird thing but I did I dabbled in acting at, at university Simon sure of course and uh, you, know, you know you can tell. You can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the way I carry myself. And, uh, yes, and, uh, yeah. the way you project. I was... The way I project. Yes. Uh, I'm, I <laughs> that, was, that little I thing was, you just did there. I was terrible <laughs> at it, which is why I stopped. But uh, whenever I tried to do... Uh, whenever I tried to do a piece in my own accent, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. Oh, you, I, you preferred the mask. I had a hang-up. I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. I couldn't remember what my own accent was. But you're very good at a podcast in your own accent. Oh, thank you very much for saying so after a very, such a short sample <laughs> <laughs> as well. So did, did Colin at any point go, um, I'm having a bit of a problem here. I don't remember how I'm meant to sign. <laughs> uh, no, he seemed, he seemed all right with it. All right. Yeah, it was lovely. And then it yeah. meant we could improvise a bit and there wasn't any, you know, he wasn't thinking about vowel sounds or whatever. Mm. Where did Benjamin come from? I want to delve a little bit into your writing process because I've read a lot of interviews with you with the talk about the semi-autobiographical nature of this mm-hmm. movie. And uh, I've even seen some reviews say, why didn't you call it Simon? <laughs> so why didn't you call it Simon? Where did Benjamin the name come from, Simon? <laughs> I just think it's quite a nice name. And I, I felt like... Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there's a, one point he has a number of post-it notes in the wall about you know, trying to arrange his film. Did you have alternate titles for this movie? Could he have been called Kevin at any point? 
he couldn't have been called Kevin. There's something very <laughs> soft and lovable, I think, about Benjamin. It also, yeah. it can get shortened to Ben or Benji, so different characters could call him different things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just felt like... I knew people needed to love the character, and it felt like a, it's just it's just quite a lovable name, I think. Mm. Uh, where did the character come from? How did you, how did you oh, well, find your me. way into him? <laughs> it is you. I should have called it Simon. <laughs> 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 um, right, I was, right, what do you know, eh? I was, I was on the way home from the Edinburgh Comedy Festival many years ago, and I'd written a load of stuff about my own family. I wrote a sitcom called Grandma's yeah. House, and I thought, well, I feel like I've done that. I feel like I understand myself in relationship to my family now, and it would be nice maybe to write some stuff about relationships, romantic relationships that have gone terribly wrong. And so I started writing dialogue from different relationships that I'd been in, and... Uh, brought that down to about two key relationships and one of those became the inspiration for the film within the film <laughs> and one of those became the inspiration for the main body of the film. Okay. <laughs> and was that a particularly revealing exercise yes. as, you, as you wrote that? What I thought was going to happen was I would have my prejudices confirmed that the people I was with were lunatics <laughs> and I was a, you know, a victim, a victim of uh-huh. these people. And it turned out that they... We're dealing with an anxious maniac who was not in any way capable of loving or being loved. And that's not ideal in a relationship. You really want somebody who's capable of those things. And so I saw <laughs> I saw who they'd been with and I I thought, oh no. Oh those poor guys. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was you know, it leads to um it's really great writing. It leads to a kind of uh uh, a, a self-awareness that you didn't have and also a compassion for both yourself and the people who have had to deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your process? I, don't, I think it's that. I think I just start writing dialogue. I don't really know. It's a bit... It's, it's quite similar to how I write stand-up. I don't really know what the theme uh, or the arc is going to be at the beginning. I just start writing or um, talking into my phone. Uh, just... Uh, uh, if it's stand-up, then just me talking in, in monologue or mm-hmm. me talking as different characters into my phone and recording that and then typing that up later. And then I slowly start to see things emerging. I slowly start to, like, for example, with Benjamin, I saw that this is a character, me, who is terrified <laughs> of intimacy. And I thought, oh, that seems to be the journey then. This needs to be a story about somebody who goes from not being able to connect and be present with a person in a moment to being able yep. to just surrender mm-hmm. his entire nonsense ego and go with the moment. <laughs> and this is kind of a, a time capsule for you in a way, isn't it? Because you're, you're, you're in a, a better place now in terms of intimacy and whatnot. Yeah, I've now been in a relationship for over seven years. Yeah. And I, God, I love intimacy. It's really good. <laughs> I really recommend it. <laughs> eight, eight out of ten would, would, would be intimate again. Yeah, it would be intimate again. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, this was you almost peering back at your, at your younger self because Benjamin, yeah, Benjamin like, slash Simon in this is early 30s, I guess. Maybe or late 20s. Late yeah, 20s, or yeah. Mid, to, mid to late 20s. I and mean, Colin looks incredibly young, so it's really yeah. hard to pin, pin that down. But Yeah, that was, that was a thing as well. Like uh, He was, ended up with a younger guy in the film. But you don't, can't really, it's not really a big, to look at them, it's not such a big deal. But Benjamin mm. thinks it's a big deal, which is how I was actually when I was around 25 and, and dating people who were a bit younger than me. And I always mm. felt so old. Mm. <laughs> it was so silly because <laughs> there was like a four-year age gap or something. And the references weren't quite the same and you just... Well, they probably were. Yeah. Sort of, but you just had a hang-up in your I head. Thought, oh, I'm so, I'm 20, I'm, I'm 25. <laughs> I'm such a pervert to be with this 19-year-old. 
oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I find somebody my own age? <laughs> when you're kind of doing this this almost vomit technique of, of yes, coming up with this, the dialogue. It's vomiting, yeah. Did you read me say that somewhere else? No, I didn't actually. Oh, I've been saying that a lot. And people don't really like it. <laughs> but I think obviously it clearly works but yeah. when do you know when you've reached the end because I, I thought the end of this this film is, is, is beautiful I'm not going to give away how or where it ends but the, the last line and the, the last shot I thought was really lovely well that came about actually because a brilliant script editor came on board said, stop <laughs> <I> said, stop <laughs> it went on for 55 pages yeah. <laughs> there were action scenes <laughs> there were aliens <laughs> no this brilliant woman called Kate Lees saw what was going to be the shooting script. And thank goodness she did, because she pointed out moments where the script repeated and where the character had already learned something and didn't need to learn it again and and told me to just go home and do various things. And I did those things. Then that new ending came about. <laughs> and actually, the ending as written isn't the ending that's in the film. But Colin oh. uh, kept... I didn't shout cut after the last line of dialogue of the last scene of the film happened because I'd learned don't shout cut because you never know what's going to happen and Colin just kept acting and that's now the ending of the film so we're did, we can't really talk we can't about really it, talk oh, about it but it's intriguing isn't it sort of it's a sort of anecdote that might make you buy a DVD <laughs> <laughs> and what sort of features are on this DVD Simon is oh, there that's a, a good question yeah are there any there's, there's there no, no features, features. no but the film is a the great film is, it's a great purchase it's a great purchase. What's on there? You know, you've got a menu. And, uh, <laughs> do you have a menu, Chris? Well, Chris menu. is not a lizard, you can, but do you have like, a menu? You can select like, uh, the, uh-huh. the different uh, chapters. See, I've never understood that. <laughs> no, I know. I, you know, I, I do love watching individual scenes of movies, but that's what YouTube's for. Maybe why would, why would I want to choose it myself? What if you like stopped watching it halfway through and you're like, oh, where did I, where did I, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. need to pick up on I this? I think it was chapter five. Yeah. That's where, I, that's where I was. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, those talking heads, the, the little, that little picture. Yeah. That looks familiar to me, so I'll just press that. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, that's 10 minutes earlier. Okay. I'm screwed now. Uh, why, why are there no, I'm not going to interrogate you. I'm not Jeremy Paxman, but why are there no features on this DVD, Simon? What's going on? I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, I've heard Woody Allen be asked this question and he just, is it that he can't be bothered? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think people, what would you like? Like a behind the scenes? Yeah. I think it would all be quite boring. It would just be me in headphones pointing. <laughs> Let's film this over there. I'd be all right with that. That'd be fun. Yeah, a nice, a nice in-depth fifteen-minute featurette of Simon Amstel pointing at things, wearing headphones. That's what you could call it. Uh, what yeah. about a uh, director's commentary? That's true. Yeah. To be honest, nobody asked. <laughs> I didn't feel like I should suggest that. Like, have we thought about me doing a commentary? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, I am I am available to you know to oh. record this right now. We yeah. could we could record a director's comedy right now. Well, we'd have to put the film on this corporate screen that we. You must got remember here. it. Remember each scene. Okay, go on then. You we got, could pretend. You got to remember it. Okay. So this is the uh, we chose this font. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very important font very mm. important font how does, how does your film begin? how does it begin? you've seen this film thousands of times well it be I also feel like I shouldn't spoil the beginning because the beginning is a what's bit the of a, you shouldn't spoil well, the beginning? that's also a bit of a tricksy thing oh it is a tricksy thing yeah mm. God, it's so we, don't have to, we don't have to reveal the, the trick though oh okay okay so how does the, the film begin? okay <laughs> and then we can 
And then people can play the first two minutes of this director's commentary. And if they like what they hear, we can come back yeah. and we can record piecemeal because you're a busy guy. You can't just spare 90 minutes. No. You can come back and we record the, the commentary piecemeal and we can, yeah. uh, we can distribute it as a, as a podcast. Can we come back to this? A podcom. What's a podcom? A pod commentary. A pod commentary. Well, you got to keep up, Simon. I'm making up. What does I'm making pod up mean? stuff. But I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so far, the director's commentary we have is: Can we come back to this? <laughs> then I walk out of the room. <laughs> That's really funny. That would be a funny thing to say. <laughs> And then just 90 minutes of silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm fully on board. Fully on board. Um, was it a difficult movie to get made? Was it was it easy yes. to get funding? It was difficult to get made. Okay. Yes. I how, had, how long when, were you plugging away? Uh, there was about a year and then it, it almost happened and then it didn't happen. That was very upsetting. And then there was another year or maybe two and then somehow some miracle occurred where a friend said, you should talk to this guy. He has money to make films. I went and spoke to him, and he said, yeah, we should make this. <laughs> so I was like, that can't be it. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? Don't I have to sort of run a marathon first or do something really difficult yeah. to get your approval? But he was just okay with it. No changes. Well, no, it was no worrying how... He, was, he, he, he had a few thoughts, but it was worrying how few thoughts he had. And... Uh, and Because um, I, I was... There'd been so much rejection. I was scared to, to trust that it was that it was a thing that should be made into a film. And then, um, and then, thankfully, his notes plus the notes of this brilliant script editor uh, made the thing something that I thought, oh no, this is this this is solid now. We can shoot this. And I knew we wouldn't have money for reshoots, and so uh, and it would be a tight schedule in terms of shooting the thing. And so I I felt very confident with the script. Eventually, I was like, we've got this now. And um, what about the uh, the directing experience on uh, this? What oh was God, like? I'd love it so much. It's so much fun, getting to play with the actors and like thinking of new jokes and uh, getting rid of all the stuff that doesn't feel authentic and um, doing it again and blocking the scenes and there's just I just feel so much joy. There was there's one scene where the characters uh, they've slept together the night before and they're they're having breakfast and it's such a a lot of the scenes are very you know difficult and tense and and you know. Uh, mm. You create a lot of anxiety because the character mm. is anxious, and um, they're dramatic and interesting and funny. But you know, to be in the room while they're happening feels a bit. You know, there's a lot of like, and sometimes it's like I'm just remembering how it was when it happened to me. And uh, this was like this lovely scene where they were they were you know having porridge together. And I couldn't. It was terrible. It was like we're not very professional, but I couldn't stop saying out loud, "I love this scene. Oh, this is just wonderful." <laughs> Oh, I love it. Do it again. Oh, it's great. And it all just came and it was like so easy. Like sometimes like you you know, you read something on the set and um before you block it through and you're like, Oh, we need to get rid of that line. It was all just like perfect. I was like saying, I've written this so well. <laughs> Round of applause for me, everybody. Like yeah. I didn't applaud. <laughs> yeah. Get off my set. <laughs> Yeah, That's so amazing. it's really it's amazing. Yeah. I really love it. Yeah. So plans to do it again? Yeah, I'm writing something at the moment. Hopefully that'll be good enough. And will that uh, will we see you this time? Because I, I imagine oh. you didn't want to be Benjamin slash Simon in Benjamin, not Simon. No, my instinct was to not be. And then yeah. when and I um, my feeling was if I had to be, 
<laughs> like if we can't find anyone else Absolutely. with a sense of humour, and uh, and you know Colin came in, he was so funny in this such you know in this natural way, which is the only way anything is funny to me anyway. Mm. But and he was also he also really made you care for the character. You felt so much empathy for him, and I thought, oh thank goodness we've got this guy. There's somebody who can do this, and so that would have been silly not to just grab Colin Morgan and, and have him be in this film. <laughs> but not even a cameo. There was, there Hitch, was, there Hitchcockian was, there cameo. There were talks of that kind of thing, but eventually uh, there was just no time. I was quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on the next film I'd be, I'd be a bit more relaxed and I'd be like, oh, this is quite an easy day. Why don't I just sort of sit on this bench while this is going on? But it was never really like that. Oh, man, I could just see someone, you know, like Benjamin Owen in the newspaper or yeah. and there you're on the front <laughs> in a scandal or something. Who knows? But Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you could have done but that. But it's also so self-involved and it's already quite a self-involved film. <laughs> Uh, there is uh, two. There are two interesting cameos in this from Carmo de Mayo. Oh yeah, playing themselves. Yeah, uh, who uh, also work for for the Bauer Media Group. So shout out to the <laughs> Bauer Media great. Group. That's great. <laughs> our, our lords and masters. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, how was it to direct them? I hear Mark's a monster. Uh, no, it was really easy. I just you can, you can tell me he's a monster, Simon. It's fine. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you prefer it if he was a monster? <laughs> Yeah. Why is that? You no, thought no, there's no, no, some sort of competition. No, no, he's a lovely guy. He's a lovely yeah. guy. No, no, genuinely, he's a lovely guy. So, yeah. <laughs> he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Why, why are you trying to tell me he's a monster? <laughs> it was actually the first thing we shot. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> because I wanted Colin to be able to see, I wanted to see Colin's reaction to their review in uh-huh. real time. Yes. And so I wanted to have it in his laptop for real. He had the camera <laughs> on his face. And it was great, actually. It really set a... I, I didn't want to script it. I just gave him the bullet points of what the film within the film was called and what it was about and why it wasn't going to be well reviewed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they just did it. You know, they just did it how they would normally do that kind of thing. And it set the natural tone for the rest of the film. Everything then needed to feel that real. So you saying everything, you know, the best kind of comedy is, is naturalistic comedy for you? No, I don't even like the word naturalistic because that suggests a just tone. Naturally. Yeah. Just that it's natural. Just that there's nothing being added to it. There's nothing... The worst thing is like when you see somebody trying to be funny. Like you can have actors who, you know, you can, if you're acting, try to be funny, but you, it's important no one sees that. And actually the best thing is the truth. So the truth is just funny. Often when I'm on stage trying out new material, the thing that's really funny, this happened last night, I was trying out some new stuff, and I had, I had still, I'm going to have to listen to it back, but I don't know why they laughed at a certain thing that I said. <laughs> because I was just, I thought it was just the sentence of a normal human being. Yeah. And it, what they tell you in that laughter is, you're, an, you're a total weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> you're a lunatic. <laughs> you're a real yeah. loon. Yeah. And it's funny, and it just, you know, it comes out of you naturally. You're just telling the truth of, you know, whatever you're feeling in that moment. And it happens to be, it happens to be funny. That's why I'm after, I think, it happens to be funny. Mm. But what was your question? Is that... Uh, the, I will remember it. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not entirely sure there was one. Oh, uh, I well, did, it's very good it was more of me to like that. It was more of an observation. <laughs> it was an observation along the lines of, do you think that's the, uh, the... Not the only way to be funny, but I was about to lead into your influences and what you grew up loving. Because you say that that plane is straight. Yeah. School of acting is yeah. what makes... Airplane, which is a movie that is overtly trying to be funny and trying to make you laugh. That's yeah, what makes was, that funny. He had not been a comedy actor before. Yeah. He he had done Leslie Nielsen, yeah. Yeah, he'd done all those films for real. Benjamin isn't funny because he's trying to be funny in that film. He's funny because he's lost and anxious and 
deranged. Mm. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think Colin I don't know. I mean Colin might be so smart that I didn't even know he was trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed to me that he was funny because he was he was genuinely feeling the feelings of the character. Uh-huh. Which are funny because they're they're from the ego. They're yeah. not, you know, he's he's got all this ego fear and it's all in his mind. The truth of a situation is that he's a human being opposite another human being. They like each other. They're talking about stuff and that in that it's there's no there's no problem there. Yeah. But he starts rambling like a lunatic because yes. he needs to impress this person. He doesn't think he is enough. He doesn't think that just him without all this razzle dazzle to impress somebody will be enough. Yeah. And so that's that's why he's funny. Yeah. That leads to again, his process is almost a vomit process where he's just, you know, oh, you're French. I love Les Mis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that sort of thing, um, which is absolutely just the, the, the panic, as I said earlier on, the, the panic of the socially awkward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which uh, I loved, I loved recognizing as well. There are, there are a couple of things in this movie. You, you say that it does come from your experience that I imagine you must have either said or had said to you. At one point, someone says to you, uh, I love the way you don't chase success. Mm. Sorry, not you. Benjamin, yes. and I wonder if that's something that you've said or had said to you as well, because your career is, you have deliberately, I think, embraced all sorts of different paths over the last few years. Yeah. Has anyone? No, no one's ever said that to me, but I thought it'd be amusing for someone to say that to Benjamin in the middle of his huge chase for more success. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> I suppose there's always a constant struggle between wanting to just play and be inspired and create stuff just for the sake of creating it, mm-hmm. and the ego's need for results and validation. Yeah. And that's a lot of what the film's about, really. The yeah. film is about somebody thinking that if he can just get another award, <laughs> then he'll be safe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he doesn't think that he deserves the love or attention of Noah, the French singer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so when he gets him back to his apartment, it's clear that Noah wants to kiss him. Mm-hmm. He says, do you want to see the film? Yes. And thinks he has to deserve... He's throwing up all sorts of barriers in, yeah. in, in his way. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't think they're barriers. He thinks that that's, that's how to catch <clears throat> yeah. someone. That's how to make someone love you, is by being very impressive. And so there's always that struggle. And I suppose over the years, with enough therapy, <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> I've let go of the need... Almost completely now, I would say. I mean, it may sort of occur again occasionally, but I've really let go of that need for external validation, uh-huh. partly from writing this film. And then what was quite funny was uh, there was a there was the day when all the reviews came out and uh, they were <laughs> really good. <laughs> and I thought, well, how am I going to learn anything now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> This whole film was about getting over this need for all these stars <laughs> and nice quotes. And uh, and then, well, maybe that's the deal, you know, when you don't yeah. need it anymore. That's when it sort of arrives because people can't sense that neediness anymore. Yeah. There's one last thing uh, in the movie. There is a fake movie called Sibling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which has the, the uh, tagline, An Inconvenient Sister. Yeah. Is that your next film? Oh, that would be, yeah. I mean, that's my that's my fantasy kind of film like where like I don't have to make any jokes it doesn't have to be funny and it's just really intense and pretentious like that's <laughs> my I'd love to, to do that what would that movie even be apart I can uh, really 
you know, soul destroying yeah. incest drama. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. really pretentious. Mm. Candlelit, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine they're in a house. The parents have gone away, and uh, maybe it's a bit like um, what's the, the Dreamers, mm. but but uh, but without the American, <laughs> and uh, it's just the, it's just the brother and sister like having a bath together. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's an hour and a half. Of a brother and sister. <laughs> of a brother and sister in a bath. That's yeah. great. Okay, well, I look forward to having you back on the podcast. <laughs> and maybe we can do a director's comedy for that one as well. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It's been a pleasure, Simon Amstel. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much indeed. So that was Simon Amstel. And do check out Benjamin if you get the chance. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's, it's really good. Really sweet, really I'm funny. Uh, really well shot, and I cannot wait to see what he does behind the camera next. Maybe we can even we can even lure him in front of the camera. That would be yes, that would be fun. But anyway, speaking of films, we should be talking about. Let's get to the reviews section of the show. And the big film this week is, is of course, Dora and the Lost. Obs. Obs. Ah, yeah. Let's let's let's, do let's, that. let's talk it. about Dora. Okay, Dora, let's do that. Dora the Explorer. Dora la Exploradora is one of the most popular characters on Earth with a certain age group. Um, she's massively, massively popular, and this is uh, James Bowen's live-action film adaptation of the story. We do start with the childy Dora we already know and love. Um, so she's about seven in those early scenes. Pretend um, for a second. Okay. I have never seen Dora the Explorer. Right. So she uh, basically has a backpack and a map that she talks to. She has a pet monkey called Boots who wears boots. Um, she has a cousin <laughs> called Diego who sometimes hangs out with her. And she goes exploring in the jungle. Is this a character called Swiper? Yes, who's a fox who steals things. So right. no swiping, Swiper. And the only way I know this okay. is the beginning of 22 Jump Street. Okay. Where Channing Tatum constructs a tortured backstory that is basically Dora the Explorer, <laughs> but the bad guys call him on it. And that's, yeah. he's like, I have a best friend called Swiper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, basically it's all that. And also she's she's known for turning directly to camera and saying things like, can you say Delithioso? Oh. You know. <laughs> Um, so they kind of riff on that. So the first bit has her, for example, talking directly to camera and her dad, who's played by Michael Pena, basically going, yeah, I hope that's a phase she's going to grow out of. Like, who is she looking at right now? It doesn't make any sense. But we swiftly cut to Dora as a teenager. Her parents are going off on an expedition into the jungle. They're both professors. They're going searching for this lost city of gold. So she is sent off to live with her cousin in L.A. So there's a whole fish out of water bit with her trying to fit in in a normal school, having been homeschooled in the jungle for her entire life. And then uh, she and some friends get kidnapped <gasps> because <laughs> she's basically, they're trying to get to her parents through her. But of course, they escape. They go looking for her parents to try and rescue them. And will they find the lost city of gold? Yes, definitely. <laughs> but no, look, this is, I had, it's fair to say, zero expectations of this. I am not a Dora the Explorer watcher. I don't feel like I'm the target audience, mm -hmm. but it's really charming and it's actually surprisingly funny throughout. Uh, they managed to find just nice little moments of stuff for the kids to play with and kind of, you know, deliver those kind of funny homages to the comic and the cartoon. I mean... None of it makes sense. You know, the monkey doesn't talk, except maybe he does sometimes, but it's not clear if he really does. And there's this anthropomorphic fox running around in a mask, stealing things, working for the bad guys. Yeah. But what? nobody comments on it, but maybe they should. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's confusing and a little discombobulating. Okay. But I had a really That's, good time, actually. 
Sounds like um, maybe the spiritual successor to the George of the Jungle movie. There's elements of George of the Jungle for sure, and it's there's a great elements film, of by the way, just. If you haven't seen that? <laughs> yeah, it's a super good film. So you should fun. definitely watch that. But it, there's elements of George of the Jungle. There's elements of like Goonies. There's elements of those kind of old school eighties teen adventures, and it actually does that stuff really, really well. So I, I did enjoy. It. I mean, it's it's very silly, very broad, but I think that Isabella Moner plays it dead straight as Dora herself like she's completely sincere completely well-meaning and I think that is what sells it It basically keeps you on board through all Mm -hmm. of the madness around her the Latina fronted cast feels significant as well yeah, I mean, uh, Eva Longoria and uh, and Michael Peña as her parents uh, Isabel herself um, her cousin Diego who is Jeff Wahlberg I don't know if he's one of those, <laughs> but yeah, there it's 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 a, it it's a lovely cast actually, and and they do really really good work. And Eugenio Derbez from the Overboard remake as well mm. is the sort of guy yes. who turns up and claims to be a friend of their parents and goes he with them. He is a Wahlberg, and of course, Isabella Moner was last seen in Transformers the last night. Five? Well, I was actually thinking Instant Family. Uh, right. as the adopted daughter of Mark Wahlberg. Whoa. And if you haven't seen Instant Family, it's really surprisingly funny and yeah. sweet, guys. And I'd have to say Along with Murder Mystery is probably my film of the year so far. So <laughs> You just reminded me of Mark Wahlberg's character name in the Transformers franchise, and I'm laughing to myself again. Cade Yeager. Cade Yeager. <laughs> oh, that's a, you know, put the pen down, take the rest of the day off type day. Yeah, got some, uh, Got some hot... <laughs> Hot Jeff Wahlberg trivia here is on IMDb. Okay. okay. You ready? Cousin okay. of Xavier and Elijah Wahlberg, Donnie's children. Uh-huh. Ella Ray, Michael, Brandon, and Grace Margaret Wahlberg, Mark's children. <laughs> Oscar and Charlie Wahlberg, Robert's children. Now you may ask, who's Robert? Hmm. Let's move on. <laughs> Adam, Debbie's son. Who's Debbie? Debbie Wahlberg. You know Debbie. Brendan, Michelle's son. And Madison and Ethan Wahlberg. Paul's children. Good Lord, they've and got a lot of 11 cousins. out of 11 people found this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Family tree is... So anyway, we gave that three stars, which is a recommendation. Indeed it is. So then we go from that to the big release of this week. The movie everybody's talking about is, of course, Good, boy. good Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a very good boy to review it. I'm on warm uh-huh. Thank you so much, Chris. So yeah, this story focuses on sixth graders who played by Jacob Tremblay, Brady Noon and... I think it's Tremblay, isn't it Tremblay? I don't think I'm mispronouncing it. This isn't a Bernard type situation. I'm pretty sure it's Tremblay. Let's start again. Let's start again. No, 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 no. Chris, it's okay. Okay, no, you're professional. You want to get it right. I like that. So, this story focuses on six brothers who played by Jacob Tremblay. Brady Tremblay? You're the worst. Jacob Tremblay, Brady Noon, and Keith L. Williams, and they get invited to a kissing party, which is Ooh. not a thing I knew existed <laughs> until <laughs> until I watched what? this film. But apparently, it is. I think that says maybe I just wasn't invited back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Did you have kissing parties? Did you have kissing parties? I didn't have kissing parties. I didn't have kissing parties. <laughs> Clearly, we're missing out. Carry anyway, on. they don't know. Furious. <laughs> they don't know how to kiss, and this quest for that knowledge leads them on an adventure which involves drones and drugs, among other 
crazy things. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> and don't do drones either. <laughs> yeah, both lessons this film you know teaches in various ways. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I laughed loudly and consistently all the way through. Yeah, we gave it three stars, but I would go four. Um, but uh, oh. the standout for me was Williams' Lucas, who is just so endearing cause, because he's honest to a fault, which leads to some very funny humor. <laughs> but it's also a film in which the boys respect the girls, which is, you know, for a film at this age group to be that feminist is, is really, really good. Yeah. And it also has a lot of heart. It has, says, says some really interesting, smart things about friendship and how it can evolve over the years and how you find yourself in different cliques when you're younger compared to where you're older when you start growing up so there's a lot of that stuff in there as well uh, I really really enjoyed this one so this is Ooh. is this Junior Superbad because this is produced isn't it by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg the marketing has leaned heavily on the Superbad connection and it's not and without swearing, merit isn't it it's quite swearing it is very very swearing. swearing which is always funny <laughs> <laughs> it's very swearing but when it's Jacob Tremblay swearing you know it's kind of lovable also <laughs> <laughs> yeah true oh, that's excited yeah that's excited. Well, that's three, two three-star films. I don't think see that the week can get much better than that. Yeah, I think we should pretty much just wrap things up mm-hmm. here. Um, oh, wait, no, there's another one. It's um, the ninth film by... Let me see if I get this right. Quantum Tarantino. Quantum of Quantum, Quantum, Quantum Quentin Tarantino. The ninth Ooh. film from Quentin Tarantino. Technically tenth. Uh, it is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this is uh, this is a big one. Yeah, it is. Tarantino it's coming back with a movie is always big news. Very much so. So this is, of course, the story of, well, a lot of things. It's uh, Initially, it's the story of Rick Dalton, who is Leonardo DiCaprio's character, and his stuntman slash gopher slash best friend, Cliff, Cliff Booth. Booth <laughs> which Chris Cliff has Booth. trouble remembering that name, but it is Cliff booth and he's played by brad pitt and as we meet them rick has had a good career but he's kind of on the slide he's reduced to doing sort of guest roles and one-off guest roles on kind of tv shows of the 60s um he meets a new agent played by al pacino and who basically explains to him that you know this is the way things are going and that he you know he's maybe going to have to take a new path in order to kind of keep his career going to kind of revive his fortunes um he might have to go and go to rome and do spaghetti westerns for example but in the meantime, we're kind of hanging out in L.A. in 1969 and it is a really a hangout movie from a lot of its runtime. So Rick lives next door to a new couple who have just rented a house who are Roman Polanski and his wife Sharon Tate, who's played by Margot Robbie. And it's also a story, a little bit at least, about her and about what she was like as a person, who she was, um, and how her life maybe intersects with her neighbours in odd ways that we won't get into. I don't know how much else to say about the story. It's very it's tough, shaggy. It? It's yeah. very shaggy. I mean, this is more a story about atmosphere. This is more about place, about a time and about a situation than it is about a plot that moves forward. There is none of the driving narrative of Kill Bill. There is none of the driving narrative of Reservoir Dogs here uh, yeah. really at all. Even something, even something um, in terms of hanging out with a group of characters which mm. is something Tarantino does a lot but it's always a plot driving them The Hateful Eight is a, is a hangout movie they're all horrible shitheads obviously but at the same yeah. time there's a plot driving there's always something forcing the characters to do something that's not the case here at all this is basically just watching life happen to these people and that's what I really liked about it mm, me too actually I, I like this more than most Tarantino movies I'm not mm. saying it's his, his quote unquote best movie I'm not saying it's the what one would you that you say is his best Probably still Pulp Fiction, right? I mean, 
just in Agreed. terms of you know general acclaim it just it's probably it's a good answer lasting influence all the rest the incorrect answer the one I've <laughs> the one I've liked best up until now have been Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill Volume 1 those have been my two favourite uh-huh. Tarantinos up until now but he is not my favourite director much as I respect him yep. but I totally love this I feel like it has it's just that loose kind of freewheeling feel to it it has that just great, great performances, even by their standards from both Pitt and DiCaprio. Mm. A very good one, but with much less to do by Robbie. And of course, you know, a whole host of people popping up for, for smaller roles and doing very, very well with them. Great cast. Great cast. Oh, I mean, even people you haven't heard of, like Julia Butters, who is like yep. 10. She is phenomenal in this film and she's yep. only in it for sort of two scenes. Nicholas Hammond. Nicholas Hammond. He plays yep. Sam Wanamaker. Uh, um, he's brilliant in this He's film. really, really good. You get a little bit of Timothy Oliphant, which is no bad thing. We get a last performance, I think, from Luke Perry, which is yeah. very, very sad. But also it's lovely to see him go out on such a wonderful high note. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's quite a thing. I, I kind of loved it. It does go somewhere in the end. There are a couple of scenes towards the end that do have that propulsion, that do have that drive that we maybe expect of Tarantino. Um you have to wait a long time for them, though. So just go in kind of relaxed. Go in expecting to hang rather than to be, to have stuff happen yeah. to you, essentially. If you can dial into this movie's rhythms, there's an awful lot there to be enjoyed. Uh, I think some of the cinematography here is fantastic, given that it's largely a series of conversations yeah. in various places. The shot that really introduces DiCaprio and Pitt is one of my favourite shots of Tarantino's career. I won't describe it, You'll know it when you see it. It's fantastic. In the trailer. Is it in the trailer? I think so. Not the whole shot, though. The whole shot is yeah. tremendous. Uh, there's an amazing sequence where one of the characters goes to a ranch and encounters some members of the Manson family who are lurking on the periphery of this film constantly. They're there as reminders that bad shit may be in the in the offing. And that's one of the best sequences for me of Tarantino's yeah, career. It's phenomenal. absolutely phenomenal and shows that he could make a horror film tomorrow if he wanted to. Uh, maybe that'll be his his tenth film. Maybe to be the fabled <laughs> final film. Yeah, eleven. <laughs> we're really being technical about it, Quentin. But uh, I I had a blast with this more so second time around because the first time around I was so knotted up with tension because of things that you were expected to see happen on screen and how Tarantino might portray those things. Yeah. And I, I can't talk about it at all here. We will talk about it. We recorded the spoiler special yesterday that's going out on Monday with an interview with Quentin Tarantino where he talks. For the first time, really, he hasn't really talked about the latter half of this movie, the third act stuff mm. and, and spoilerific stuff. So he did that with us, which was which was very, very nice of him. That's going to be out on Monday. But first time I saw it, my stomach was a knot, especially towards the end. Second time I saw it, I was able to relax into the film a little bit more and really, really had a blast with it. Amon, where, where do you stand? I'm in the like, not love camp. And I'm really intrigued to watch it for the second time because I didn't... The hangout nature of this movie took me by surprise. And I actually think for me on the, on the first watch, the first half of the movie fell on the wrong side of... Indulgent? Uh, not indulgent, but just slow. Okay. You know, there's a, there's a fine line between relaxed and slow. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, at least for me, the first half of this movie on the first watch felt slow for me, um, as has been written about a lot in the past couple of weeks. There's a sequence with Bruce Lee, which I have issues with. But on the other hand, Leonardo DiCaprio is fantastic. Brad Pitt is fantastic. Um, Margot Robbie, I wish there was more of her character because the little that we do see of her is great. She's a fantastic actress. And also in the year in which John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, exists, this film might have a claim for best dog 
in the movie in 2019, which is no mean feat. Mm. It's a good dog. It is Very a good, good, good dog. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, lot, lot of good boys and a lot of good dogs <laughs> this week. So yeah, um, if I had to rate it, I would go three. But it's definitely, Whoa. I would, I would. But it's definitely worth watching. And I just still like the fact that the range of views and the discussions people are having about this film has been very, very interesting. It's been most sort of wide-ranging, you know, heavily discussed film of the year so far. Mm. And I think all Tarantino films sort of have yeah. that to them, which is... Oh impressive. yeah, people have fallen over themselves with hot takes yeah. on, on this movie. Uh, some of which you sense that they had formed before they went to see the movie. Some of which you didn't. But anyway, oh, cynical. But cynical. Me, me? cynical. <laughs> Moi? I don't think so. But uh, yeah, I had an absolute blast with it, and I hope you guys do too. Four stars is what we gave. We didn't give it the big old five. No, big I old personally five would. But Helen really? would give I a would. five. Wow. So, yeah. I did not see that coming. Nor did I. Blimey. Yeah. Five stars from Helen O'Hara, three stars from Amma Warman. I'm in between. I'm with, <laughs> I'm with Empire on this. I think this is one of those ones that might need a little bit more time to soak before I can properly place it in the QT oeuvre. Yeah. Um, I want to watch mm. it again. Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at four. I'm happy with four. No, four is, four yeah. is totes fine. Uh, but if you have a spare three hours this weekend, you could do a lot worse than go and see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Amen. Amen indeed. Right. Well, on that bombshell, that is it for this week's fairly lengthy Empire podcast brought to you by the National Lottery Cinema Day. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll be joined, delighted, genuinely delighted to be joined once again by one of our favourite recurring guests on the podcast, Jerry Butler. Hey! Jerry Butler is back. Uh, the interview's happened this week and um, he tells one story in particular that is worth the price of admission alone. That's right. Next week's podcast will cost you £50. <laughs> but trust me, this one story in particular is worth it. And um, those payments, by the way, are payable directly to me. Just, <laughs> just what? slide into my DMs and I'll set up a PayPal and no, you can Chris, give me what? £50. As your lawyer, I need to Chris. get out of here. I need, I need to get out of here. You guys are my ticket out. So... Anyway, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Jerry Butler's on podcast next week. Uh, a couple of things coming up as well. Our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Spoiler Special is out on Monday the 19th, so check it out. That's going to be a lot of fun. Our <laughs> latest Avengers Endgame Spoiler Special. <laughs> it's been weeks, guys. It's been weeks. <laughs> Which was the live show, um, the live q and I did uh, for subscribers only initially, but then you guys get to hear the podcast, which is exciting, with Kevin Feige, uh, which was a ton of fun. That's going to be out on the 23rd. You can hear Helen and I Hello. and Alex Sane and Dave Berry. Uh, there was a, a lot of people really liked the Is Die Hard a Christmas Movie debate podcast we did last year in association with Sky Cinema. So much so we're going to do a, a little series of lows as well over the four of us chew over some big topics. And the first one is up tomorrow, Saturday, the 17th of August, <laughs> as you're listening to this. And that is going to be... Uh, the four of us talking about Batman or Superman, who is the greatest DC big screen hero? Batman, obviously. Dinner, Come dinner, on. dinner, dinner. Superman! The correct answer, of course, is Wonder Woman. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey. Where's your feminist credentials now, O'Hara? What's going on? I'm pretty sure I said that in the debate, but, you know. Well, maybe I've cut it. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? But that's, that's a lot of fun as well. And, of course, do keep them peeled. We do really would love to see you guys uh, on the tour. So check out those individual dates and come along. Belfast, Birmingham, Liverpool, York, Brighton, and, of course, London as well. Woo-hoo. But that is it. 
Amon, thanks so much for joining us this week. Where can people find you if they if they wish to find you? Not obviously in a real life situation. Yeah, not, not like in a taken <laughs> way. Yeah, don't have like a little geotag <laughs> pointing at you at all times. That would be problematic. Um, I am on Twitter at a woman, and you can find all my musings. Two ends. Two ends, correct. You can find all my musings. Just on tell me how to spell your own name. <laughs> <laughs> on film, on Chris, on Empire. <laughs> Basically, like a serial killer's wall chart. <laughs> yeah, you can find them all there. All I'm right. also on YouTube. Um, the YouTube channel's name is Amonimus. You can find all my edits by some of my blockbuster montages there. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, until then, it is goodbye from the man you just heard, Amon Warman. Thank you so much for coming in. No worries. Peace. <laughs> Every time. Uh, It's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. Where can people find you? I mean, I'd prefer they did. No, I'm kidding. I'm on on Twitter or Chris at Helen L. O'Hara. Let me just double check. Okay. Locked. You you talk to me about Batman v Superman once too often. (laughs) Release the Snyder Cut. (laughs) I feel like you told me this before. What does the L stand for? Louise. That was it. Mm. And uh, what was your mother's maiden name? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and name your first pet I didn't have a pet I'm just, growing up oh. I'm putting a thing together a yeah, sure. didn't have a pet growing up no you didn't have a pet growing up no. you weren't invited to Chris kissing parties I know <laughs> I was busy reading Little Women unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable I had a pet and many many kissing parties <laughs> sure, sure. in which I was the most popular kisser mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me I am off to further delve deep into the world of prime numbers I think I got the hang of this guys uh-huh. thanks for listening see you next week 41 yes 47 I need to double check that 53 <laughs> he's just going to say numbers <laughs> 61. I'm not sure about 53. <laughs> 73. Yes, Chris. Did you say 59? No. Well, 59. I started at 61. No, you didn't. You said 53. Ah, oh, fucking stupid <laughs> prime numbers. Maths is rubbish. Bye. Bye. <laughs>